Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and I'll be your host for the next two hours. If you're a first-time listener, you need to know what this show is about. This is a call-in talk radio show. We hope that you call us. We don't give hot investment tips or predict where the stock market is going from here. Hot tips aren't a sensible way to invest your money, and nobody knows where the financial markets are going. We do talk about a wide range of topics related to personal finances, investments, and retirement planning. This is the important stuff. Major financial events and decisions you face in your life, birth of a child, death of a loved one, marriage, remarriage, divorce, college costs, retirement, changing jobs, living within your means, managing your debt, buying a home, refinancing, receiving an inheritance, investing, insurance, annuities. Second, you should know a little about me. McNamara Financial Services is a family business. The four of us are certified financial planner practitioners. We manage money for a fee. We provide retirement planning on an hourly basis for a fee to folks who need it. And we figure that's just about everybody. We always try to do what's best for our clients and we're into long-term client relationships. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we might make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. You probably know that, but we just wanted to make sure. So if you have a question for us, please give us a call at 781-837-4900. The only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. Good morning, Marshfield, and the rest of the South Shore of Boston. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Alrighty, we have a plan today. We always have a plan. Okay, so I had a plan last week that we I was going to talk about uh, a subject and kind of finish up a little uh, discussion I've been having for the last few weeks, but. With all the excitement going on in the stock market these days, I, I thought I'd kind of change the subject to a, something a little bit more appropriate. So the official title of today's show is Dealing with Volatility. Okay, markets go up or down. We had a little downdrift this past week or two, and uh, it may continue, it may not. Uh, the world's getting all excited good or bad about this sort of stuff and uh, so that's kind of the subject at hand. Uh, I have a good friend uh, that I've known for many years that's going to keep me company here this morning. His name is Mark Collier. He's a financial advisor and I managed to get him out of his home in Duxbury this morning to help me, me keep company here. So good morning, sir. How are you today? 
Good morning, Mike. It's a pleasure hey, to be here. Again, thank you for getting up and uh, waiting on down here to help me out. Uh, so, Mark, how about uh, so that people know they're listening to two experts, okay, or at least purported experts. Uh, how about a little background about who you are and what you do for our listening audience? All right. Um, like Mike, I've been in the business uh, quite a while. Low these many years? Too long to remember. <laughs> Things were a lot different back then than they are today, but... Uh, uh, I just wanted to announce my um, my relationships for my broker dealer. My firm is Axial Financial Group uh, LLC, and uh, we are a, a member of the uh, securities and services are offered through Com- through Commonwealth Financial Network, member of Finra and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Um, I do work uh, mostly. Uh, in the South Shore, the main office uh, that I work through is in Burlington, and we do have satellite office in Quincy and in Hyannis. Ah, and there's one in Duxbury there too. So and Duxbury right? has a <laughs> has a smaller office, which I man. And and Mark and I have we've known each other for pushing 30 years, I would guess, right? I, I yeah. would think back, yeah. yeah. I think back yeah. then. So yeah. anything else officially you want to say? No, there? I think that's that's enough information yeah. for now. Yeah, we, uh, we financial advisors, folks, we're uh, pretty highly regulated, and that's a good thing. Uh, and uh, we're supposed to not get carried away when we start talking about the future, what we think is going on, or promising stuff to people that we probably can't deliver. So that's not anything either one of us has probably ever done, but we, we have to say what we say, and that's one of the reasons we have that long uh, opening, uh, we call it a disclosure in my business. But hey, uh, you know, it, it, the, the trick is uh, we just kind of make our good guesses about the future, and that's kind of how it works uh, for anything in life, uh, who, who knows, sort of a thing. Okay, so, um, and by the way, I have a relatively new acquaintance, I won't call him a friend yet, his name is John, and uh, he's been helping me out do a few things the last few weeks, uh, and I invited him to listen to the show this morning, and John, if you're listening, I'm not going to do the Halloween show, I missed that by a week, I'm going to do financial tricks and treats next week, but today is going to be at least as exciting when we're talking about (laughs) dealing with volatility, because it's kind of been a relatively boring seven or eight or nine years uh, in, in the financial world. A, a few little bumps or, or hiccups every once in a while, but we've had like eight or nine years worth of stock market nirvana in this country, and uh, as we both know, all good things come to an end sometime, and maybe, okay, to come to an end temporarily, by the way, let me qualify that, uh, and maybe the excitement that's been going on in the last couple of weeks uh, in the financial markets, uh, maybe that's the beginning of our next... Uh, Let's see, hiccup, downturn, correction, plunge, bear market, end of the world. Did I did I miss any? Are that most of them? No, it, it could be any of those. And I think uh, the market definitely has shown, I don't want to say more volatility because, uh, again, we'll have to define that. Yeah, Given yeah. The, the point that the market is at right now, I think things are just exasperated. You yeah, know, the numbers are just larger. Yeah, if sometimes if you think percentages, it's a little less scary than if you think dollars and numbers. And right, that's a lot that's right. been going on with the market. Yeah, just yeah. one a curious thing. Last, I think it was last week when the market had two days in a row. One day, I think it was down about eight hundred yeah. and then four hundred. So that's a lot yeah. of points. Yeah, and just as Mike said. It's a point thing. Um, I was at the office with a client, and I was talking 
with one of our um, uh, portfolio managers there at the office. And as we were discussing it, we said, you know, it would have to t- it would take another 1,200 points on top of that yep. to be a correction. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> because, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the market at 25,000, yeah. Yeah. correction would be 10%. So as bad as those numbers were, it was at that time was not even correction territory. Yeah, yeah the, uh, that's, it's, that's so funny you say that. Yeah, so I I've often will say to clients, you know, Sometimes it's better to look at things as percentages than numbers, and sometimes it's better to look at things as numbers than percentages, uh, or, or vice versa. And and that's I- exactly what's kind of been going on here for the last couple of days. I I just did a little simple mathematical exercise. I have seen the word plunge in mm-hmm. the financial news more in the last week than I can remember. If uh, go, going backwards, we, we plunge is such a great a great uh, word if you want to get people excited about what's going on. Uh, and anyway, uh, so. So I, I think a, a, a gallon of fuel gasoline's about three dollars and fifty cents these days. Okay, so so if you went up to the if you knew it was three fifty last week when you tanked up, and if you pulled in today, and it was three thirty three, would you say that the price of gasoline has plunged? Pro- okay. pro- probably not. Okay, but that's a a five percent downward direction in the price if I want to get really professional here and by the way the market barely hit 5% down you know a couple of weeks ago so you're right po- points big are big numbers well right. you know the the Dow Jones used to be 5000 a whole long time ago and now it's 25 so the numbers get bigger but folks the the percentages don't change much sort of a thing but anyway we <clears throat> it, it looks like maybe we might be inter- in for a couple, a year or two of uh, interesting stuff going on in, in the U.S. Uh, stock and bond markets. Uh, may- maybe not. Maybe this is a mere hiccup and we continue to forage on forever. I mean, who, who knows? Right. Not, not likely by, by, by the stretch. So, so the, you know, the, the thrust of this show is that, well, you know, markets sometimes get carried away. You know, you have what we call in our business uh, intrinsic value of a company, and sometimes the values of companies in the stock market, we get greedy and feel good, and sometimes we drive them up beyond what they're really worth, and that's not good. And sometimes by selling a lot of stuff when we get nervous, we we drive them down below what they're really worth. And n- n- neither of those things are good, but that's just kind of the way we are. So so the, the official name for that is volatility. Uh, and we're going to spend some time this morning kind of randomly touching on a whole bunch of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, points or issues that kind of relate to that. And we're, we're not going to do it in any particular order of priority. I've, I've got a, a, a list of uh, about 25 or 30 talking points, I guess, issues, dis- however you want to describe it. Uh, and, and Mark and I are just going to kind of randomly pick one uh, each and we'll kind of alternate back and forth for the next couple hours and we'll kind of talk about uh, volatility and hopefully uh, from, you know, two hours from now, if you choose to sit with us, hopefully, you know, uh, there'll be some things that uh, that you learn that will be helpful to you. Uh, that's kind of why we would do this show on a regular basis. And uh, <clears throat> I, I guess the, the first comment... And we need a definition, so I'm going to start off with um, my definition of volatility. The prices of stocks go up or down. That's pretty much uh, how it works. And sometimes they go way up, and sometimes they go 
way down. Sometimes they plunge, and then the other word is soar. Okay, you know, if you ever got on an elevator and there were two buttons that said plunge and soar, <laughs> that probably is a bit of an exaggeration, but that's what goes on in the financial press. So anyway, uh, we, we've had some up and down uh, movements, okay, uh, and, and so volatility is price movement, okay, but it, you need to know that that volatility doesn't measure the direction of the stock market. It's just what we officially call price dispersion. Uh, how do I do with that? Yeah, I, I think um, that's a good point, Mike. And um, you might have seen these. I'm sure you've used them uh, in your practice over the years. I know we had graphs. Uh, you'll see them from the, from the mutual fund companies yep. or yep. whatever. And it, when you look at the... the movement of the market, particularly on a daily or a weekly basis, and you look at look at something like that on a line graph, it looks like your EKG reading. Oh, you yeah. Know, if you have a, a month and a half graph, it will terrify you, right? Yeah. <laughs> up, down, up, down, up, down. But take that same in portfolio manager, for example, yeah. and then look at it over five or ten years. And typically the trend will be up, yep. hopefully, yep. and that's the way most of them are. Yep. And we used to say it's kind of like, you know, standing up and bending down as you're going up an escalator. There you go, there you go. You know, and that, if you visualize it over the long term, the volatility doesn't seem quite as scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so by the way, I, I, the one I heard was a, a person flipping a yo-yo on an escalator. That's okay, it. so, so here's, it was like the, one of the best analysis I've ever heard. Correct. We must have been in the same room and for, <laughs> one of us forgot it or whatever. I'm not sure. But anyway, folks, they think, I'll explain why this is in a minute, but think about, okay, well, if you think about the stock market, all you think about is it goes up and down. But, you know, that's today or, or tomorrow. You, you, you never mm -hmm. step back and look at a longer trend. So so way this really works, this is not guaranteed, the way this really works is pretend Okay, that you're watching a, a person, okay, flipping a yo-yo up and down, right. okay? Well, the, the yo-yo's going up and down, okay? So those are price movements, okay? If you put, but if you put that person on an upward escalator and you step back a few feet and watch the yo-yo, it goes up or down. But the trend, okay, uh, I like to say is northeast, which is a, an investor's only and favorite direction. That's where you want your stuff to go over the long run. So it, it's pretty simple, per, per Mark's comments, if you step back and look at some time perspective, we're very difficult at, at time and patience uh, in, in our world here, but if you step back and, and look at the long-term big picture, it's pretty exciting, actually. It's pretty, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, you're, okay. you're actually getting up to the next floor, yeah, yeah, and that's yep. that's your goal. Yeah, yeah. With investing, it's the same idea. Yeah. And in the long run, you want to be up. And, and if you were watching the yo-yo, every time it went down, it was higher than the last time it went down. This is good. Yeah. It's, this is so far, folks. And every time it went up, it was higher than the last time that went up. Okay, that's that's a wonderful thing, folks. Okay. Um, the The... The the reason for that, and this is, okay, this is probably, in in my opinion, one of the most intelligent comments I'm going to make for the next couple hours, and 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 you really need to uh, understand this and and hopefully be comfortable with it. Um, there, there's only one reason uh, that the U.S. stock market or any stock market on the planet goes up over the long run, uh, and it's because the values of the companies that are in there get more valuable. And by the way, there's, there's only one reason over the long run uh, that, that 
companies become more valuable, and it's the simple mathematical comment is that they make more money, profits and earnings, okay? So this this sounds really corny, folks, but, you know, if you own a company and it, it has X amount of profits, it's worth something. And uh, if those profits increase over time, it's worth more. And that's probably all the math you got to know to be a long-term investor. Okay, there's there's some exciting times, and 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 sometimes there's a year or two when companies don't earn as much money because the economy slows down or whatever. But the the reason that that markets of the world, and you could look at any number of charts that you like, but the folks, the the reason up through yesterday they have gone northeast over the very long run. When you sit back and look at a chart that's five or ten or fifteen or twenty years, okay, the reason is that the companies that are in your portfolio they're apparently making more money and becoming more valuable over time. Okay. Now, conversely, on the other side, on the other side, um, everything Mike said, by the way, was uh, exactly right. But you do have companies. I'll give you an example: Sears. Yeah. Now here at one time was a great company. Uh, everyone knew Sears. Everyone probably shopped at one time in Sears and received the Sears catalog. And here's a company right now that's um, in big trouble, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to indeed. say the least. Yeah. So it's not that all companies make money all the time. Some lose money. Yep. And this points out to the fact that uh, you have to watch where your investments are, preferably through an advisor who's yep. helping you do that. Um, but again, the numbers of, of failures like that are far fewer than the successes. Yeah. But it does happen. Yeah. So. And, and that risk point of view, okay, absolutely correct. And so the, the, the greatest risk that folks have is not that the, the volatility if your stuff goes up or down, that if you happen to own a company that goes out of business, that's called default. Okay, so let's let's thank you, sir. But let's be perfectly clear that the catastrophic risk you have if you own a company is if it goes out of business and goes belly up. Yeah, you just earned a zero on whatever you invested. Well, by the way, easy peasy. The way you protect yourself against that is to buy a whole bunch of companies. Okay, uh, you know the S and P 500 is. Uh, the 500 biggest publicly traded companies in America. It's been a list of companies around for a long time, and it changes on a regular mm -hmm. basis. Okay, so so the protection that you have against that cata catastrophic risk is actually pretty simple and pretty easy to deal with. Okay, so, so I diversification. Said, yeah, the the biggest risk you ever have owning stocks is the default risk, and you can virtually make that go away or significantly lessen it. Pardon me, I wouldn't want to say it's guaranteed not to happen, but, you know, if you have 500 companies in your portfolio, by the way, if you have a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, you probably have four or 5,000 companies in your portfolio. But if you have 500 companies in your portfolio, Okay, the, the good news is if 10 of them go belly up tomorrow, you probably don't know it. Okay, the bad news is if 10 of them go through the moon, you didn't know that either. But, you know, that comes back to the diversification. Right, so, right. so and that One example that uh, we used to use, and I think is still relevant uh, regarding diversification, there are the risk can be defined as diversifiable risk and undiversifiable risk. So, for example, when... Exxon and Mobil were two different companies. Very, very similar. Yep. Before they merged and, and were together, they're very, very similar companies. So one person could be invested in Exxon, the other person in Mobil, 
and the Exxon Valdez. Remember that ship, oh, Mike? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Had a little problem, yep. uh, ran into a rock, and the uh, next thing you know, we had a huge oil spill. The stock of Exxon plummeted because of that. Yep. So if you owned Exxon at the time, you probably lost money. If you stayed there, you've made it back. Yep. But if you own Exxon and you owned Mobile, you didn't lose yep. that much yep. money. Yep. Very simple example of in the same exact industry, same type of companies, diversifiable. Yep. And and for the vast majority of folks uh, listening to us here, so the, the way that you own companies is through mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. And so if you... you own multiple companies, and if they happen to be in one category like U.S. stocks or international stocks, well, then you've got diversification and safety in the numbers, and you've got diversification and safety in the kinds of things that you have. And it doesn't guarantee that you don't go down or lose money, but it does lessen the risk mm -hmm. significantly. And folks, that's that's why we're having this show. Um, it, write this down, folks, uh, and if you have a chance uh, after the show here, Go, go to uh, the, the Putnam Investments website in Boston, okay? Google Putnam Investments in Boston, and somewhere on the website, uh, they've got a, hey, if you're an individual investor, we've got some learning or educational materials you might be interested in. Uh, and I literally went there before the show, uh, and I m made a quick snapshot of my absolute positive favorite uh, stock market chart in the world, and it's called Market Rebounds outlasted declines okay so folks when you get through here seriously uh this is if you ever looked at one investment chart in your life this is the one you should look at and it makes some incredible points in a pretty visual manner and i'm and i i use this in my education presentation with clients and folks you need to look at this and 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 what it is uh is it's a chart Okay, uh, of the performance of the S&P 500, the 500 biggest companies in America, okay, since 1949. I was one in <laughs> 1949. So this is a long time, folks, okay? Uh, and, and so th this is some history, not guaranteed that it's going to continue, but hey, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, this is some history of what the U.S., and the S&P 500 is a pretty good proxy for the U.S. stock market. It, it basically is, okay? So, folks, it, it's, a, it, it's, an, it's a, an awesome chart, okay? Uh, so the official title is Market Rebounds Outlasted Declines. My official title is Reds, Greens, and Grace, okay? Uh, and, the, and the Reds, Greens, and Grace, th th this is just awesome, okay? So, first of all, the, the direction of this chart goes northeast. What does that mean? Okay, you've made money if you own the S&P 500 for the last 69 years, okay? Uh, and Now, that, remember, that's yeah. been through okay. recessions. A whole lot of messes, right? Some depressions, yeah. yep. wars, yep. Yep. everything. Yep. And, and per your comments earlier about what's the time frame we look at and how exciting does the chart look, well, this is a 69-year-old chart, folks. And you know what? It looks pretty smooth. There's some little bumps and bruises along the way. But per Mark's comments, if we blew them up for the month or two that those bumps and bruises happened, they would absolutely terrify you. So don't look. That's my comment, okay? Or, still, or close your eyes. But anyway, so this chart goes northeast, and it has for a very long period of time, okay? And the beauty of it is that it's in color and it's so vivid it's like unbelievable okay so every time we had a 
downturn, correction, bear market, end of the world plunge, okay, they're, they're in red. Red's not a good color in the investment world, folks, okay, or any, any world, maybe, but anyway, okay, and you see these slices of red in this big old mountain chart, okay, uh, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, there's 11 of them, okay, in the last 69 years, okay, uh, and, and the information on the chart says, well, how long did that red last, mm -hmm. and how far did it go, and, and by the way, to get pretty current, because for folks listening to this show, the, the last two reds were doozies. That's my professional term, okay? Uh, in the 2007, 8, 9, whatever it is that you want to call what happened in 2007, 8, 9, the financial crisis, I think, is probably the most common, common phrase. Okay, so we had a down 50.95%. Oops, that's half. And, and that lasted, by the way, here's the good news, for 16 months. Seems like forever when it was happening, folks. But so, so let me be really crystal clear, okay? Uh, in my lifetime, the two worst stock markets we've had have been in the last 20 years, okay? So the 2007, 8, 9 mess, down 50, okay, 16 months. And then the 2001, 2 mess, I think that was called the tech bubble or something like right, that. Right. Yeah, okay. Okay, that was, that was a down 42, Okay, that one lasted 30 months. And by the way, I, I forget the last number I saw, saw, but I'm pretty sure that in my lifetime, these reds have averaged about 18 months or 12 months or something like that. They, they don't go that long, but they seem like forever when you're in them. So anyway, so I, I'm looking at okay, the most recent one, the 2007-8-9 mess. It goes down 50%, and you can see on this chart, if you zoomed in, I just zoomed in here on my little iPad. Oh, my gosh, that doesn't look too big. So that's the red. Well, okay, that red ended. They all have through yesterday, and we started going up, and they colored that up green. Green's a good color in the investment world, like money, okay? Uh, and by the way, okay, uh, the red was down 50 and change, 50.95. The green, and the green is get you back to where you were before the red happened. That's how they colored this. So, by the way, the green's up 104.46%, okay? So, you're back to where you were, and by the way, that was about five years, six years worth of time there. So, okay, so, so the red goes down, okay? The green gets you back to the top of the red, and then, here's the good news, instead of leaving it green, once you get to back to where you were, they color it gray, and son of a gun, it keeps on going. Keeps going. Okay, so so pictorially, I'm looking at this chart that goes virtually for my lifetime, and every time we had a red, it was followed by a green that got you back and a gray that took you further up the escalator. Okay, and, and this chart is just magnificent because uh, it gives one a little understanding and a little comfort about how this game works, okay? Right. Mark? What, what, what it also points out is another thing I'm sure we talk about maybe later, but we can bring it up now, is this market timing. And what you really want to be careful of is when you're in that red zone. By the way, and you don't know when they start, and you don't know you when don't. they end, right? Yeah. But people panic. Uh, like Mike said, if it's down 20, 30, 40%, and you bail out, in many cases, that's the exact wrong time to bail out. Yep. Because then you've got the green, Again, no guarantee that this happens in the future, but 
going back a hundred years, it always has. Um, so the best thing to do is to kind of take a look at things, reassess. We'll talk about some things you can do in the meantime. Yeah, but um, don't give up on it. Yeah, th thank you. And we're, we're about time for break, but one more comment. So, so yeah, okay. The 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 um, you, you got to have some faith about what's going on, but you kind of understand what happens here, okay? Uh, and so uh, we're going to take a break, uh, and, and I'm going to make a few more comments about this Putnam chart. But I'll, I'll leave with the following statement: the Reds, the Downs are temporary; the Greens and Grays are permanent. Okay. Hey puppets, time for a break. Can I have my allowance now? Hi, this is Mike McNamara with McNamara Financial Services in Marshfield. Folks want an advisor they can trust and who cares about them. Finding that person takes some work. Where do you start? Well, I think you should listen to Alyssa, Kirk, and me every Saturday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. here on WATD. It's an easy way to get to know us. One of us could be that advisor you're looking for. We're local and we're a family business. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. What matters to you matters to us. We're the South Shores Radio Station, 95.9 WATD. This is Kirk Reed with McNamara Financial. What's the best investment strategy for you? Well, depends on your age, risk tolerance, and a number of other things. Give me a call and let's talk about your situation. 781-834-2010 or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. We're back. You are listening to McNamara on Money here on WATD. Michael, don't make any plans for this afternoon. Yes, dear. This is 95.9 FM WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My guest co-host and good friend Mark Collier, another one of those financial advisors. By the way, that's a fuzzy term anyway, but uh, Mark is uh, helping me out this morning here, and uh, we're talking about volatility, okay? Uh, and by the way, the whole aim of this show is to get you not to behave badly during bad times. I guess maybe that's probably the best way to say it. So anyway, we were just, uh, I was just finishing up with some comments, and I'll say this again if you just turned in. Folks, uh, Google the uh, Putnam Investments website in Boston. They have an education session there, for, or a section there for, you know, individual investors, and, and one of the charts that they have is my favorite chart in the world forever uh, when it comes to investments, and it's called, it's called Market Rebounds Outlasted Market Declines. Thank you, Putnam Investments. Uh, and it is an absolutely graphic pretty easy to understand uh, presentation that says, you know, okay, if you sit back and let those companies that you own in your portfolio, if most of them continue to earn money over the rest of your life, you're probably going to make some money, okay, uh, and be okay. But that doesn't mean it ain't going to be exciting sometimes. And that's that's what we're trying to get you prepared for here in this show. Um, Mark, what, your, your turn. Pick one of those topics you want to talk well, about. Well, let me, let me make one more comment sure. about the chart. Maybe we can segue to one of the questions as well. Yeah. Um, what Mike is referring to is the S&P 500, which obviously is made up of uh, 500 companies, American companies particularly, uh, and the value of their stocks. Uh, if these, this red and green stuff scares people, well, first of all, you could put your money under the mattress. 
Now, not only would that actually be a flat line, but it would be actually a down line because you've, if you think about inflation, things like that, your money may be safe under the mattress, but it's certainly not going to the northeast. It's actually going <laughs> where? So the southeast. Yeah, yeah south, <laughs> actually south, yeah, southeast. Uh, south don't want to go southeast. You don't want to go southeast. <laughs> uh, you want to go north northeast or northeast east if there's such a thing <laughs> thank you for that yeah, we could okay. use uh <laughs> treasury bonds yeah. now those are going to go up they're guaranteed interest typically yeah you're investing in america yeah. and that's pretty pretty good place to invest yep. but the line will not trend as far north as the s p 500 so you've got some alternatives but if you've got the time and you're saving for retirement or kids' education or whatever the long-term goal is, you want to be in something like the S&P 500. Yeah, Mark's, uh, okay, in our world, we use this very professional term. It's called real return. And basically, it's what you get to keep from what your money earned after you pay taxes and pay inflation, okay? Uh, and, and it's my, my, they call it real return because that's what's really left in terms of what you get to spend. You know, your money's only as good as what you can buy with it, okay? And, and so, okay, if you want to become wealthy, folks, the, the only way that you can either become wealthy, okay, or preserve your wealth is to own some investments that have a chance of beating what infla inflation and taxes take away from you, okay? Th this is Reader's Digest version, folks, but it's probably all most of you need to know, okay? So v v very simple, okay? Uh, in order for you to become wealthy, you, you have to save your money for sure, but your money has got to earn more than taxes and inflation take away from you, okay? Historically, bond-type investments do a very poor, okay, job of that, and historically, stock investments do a very good job of that. Uh, in preparation for this show, I've done a I, I've done a few things. Okay, but okay. Um, here's one more website for you to go to, folks, to maybe get some comfort about what we're talking about. If we do have a sloppy next year or two, <clears throat> excuse me. So the Google the uh, Google the S and P 500 at your fingertips folks, okay? And so after this show, write this down, the S&P 500 at your fingertips. Okay, it's a blog spot. I have no idea what that means, but it's a blog spot, <laughs> okay? And it's part of a larger website called Political Calculations. So don't get nervous, folks. We, we financial advisors don't do politics or religion. It's not, not a good thing, okay? But, but the S&P 500 at your fingertips is one mighty cool little exercise, okay? So when you get, when you get to the S&P 500, fingertips at your fingertips okay what what you do okay uh is it asks you the year of your birth year, year date month and year of your birth okay and then uh and this the, this relates to the s p 500 okay it's not a horoscope okay, no, not a horoscope no no okay uh <laughs> and and right now it goes up to september of 2018 because <clears throat> we haven't had september end yet or, or, no because they haven't done october yet but do september okay by the way in my lifetime, okay, I, the first thing I did is I, I put in my month and date of birth, okay, year of birth, push the button, that's what I like to say, push the button for calculate, and in my lifetime, the S&P 500 with dividends in reinvested has earned an 11.27% per year return, <clears throat> excuse me, but more importantly, 
Okay, after inflation, we got to pay some taxes with this number, but after inflation, it was a 7.6% in your pocket return. Folks, if you earn 7.6% a year after uh, after inflation and pay some taxes, you still got some money left and you still got more more wealth sort right. of a thing, okay? So folks, I would encourage you, okay, to go to that website, put in the month and the year of your birth and push the button, okay, and see what the S&P 500 has done. And, and this just goes back to proof so far that, you know, if company, but by the way, uh, in my lifetime, and I'm, I'm working off memory here because I don't have it right up now, but uh, the S&P 500 started at 16, okay, and it was 2,900 last week, sort of a thing, even with all, or 2,800, or even with all the mess. So anyway, folks, it's, it's a pretty good uh, and strong suggestion that if you own some great companies of the world and most of them make money, or, uh, own enough of them to protect yourself and sit back and wait for them to work, well, that's okay, folks. It's, it's probably going to be okay, and we can't give you any more of a, a guarantee than that. So anyway, pl- please remember that, folks, uh, S&P 500. What, what, I, uh, what I also did, okay, so I did a couple things here too, okay? And again, folks, you don't want to just own one, one mutual fund in your portfolio. You don't want to just have one. You know, you're going to have a combination of stocks or bond investments in your portfolio, but okay, under the heading of uh, not cheating, I went back to the year 2000 in August. That was just about the top of the market before we had the tech bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then so from August of 2000 to September of 2018, okay, almost 19 years. In those 19 years, we've had the first, the, the two worst stock markets in our lifetime. Uh, the, the, the S&P 500 return with dividends reinvested for that miserable 19 years was 5.77%. Okay, okay, and again, if you had other things in your portfolio, folks, I might have been, you know, I, I think you get the point. But, but uh, p- please go there. Okay, because it, it, it gives you some comfort about what's going on when we have these miserable times that seem like they go forever and scare the ever and love the heck out of you, sort of a thing. Mark? Right, yeah. right. Well, I think, you know, f- most of the people, I think, in our audience, I would assume, are not real traders. I don't think you've got too many Yeah, that's not traders. my demographic uh, here. No, no, no. Real, real people who need a little help and some education. That's our demographic. You know, because okay. what traders do is they actually take advantage of these downturns, yep. you know, so they'll accumulate stocks. We actually do the same thing, except we don't do it. Yep. We, we assign that to money managers that we hire yep. for our clients. And I think that they... Um, uh, they'll, they'll take advantage of some of these downturns, which is actually a good time if you think about it to buy Uh, not a great time to sell but a good time to buy and the other thing i'm sure that we'll get into as we progress through today's program is asset allocation which is something that uh, can help mitigate some of this Red zone, if you will. Red zone, I love it. Uh, okay, that's like that's a football term. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I mean, how can you be in Boston yeah. without after yeah. the Red Sox too? I mean, you just have to be a sports fan. There, there you go. I know this isn't a sports show, so <laughs> we can get right back to cool. the market. Cool. Okay, uh, uh, but it's a good way to look at yeah, it, and if yeah. you want to uh, be stronger in that red zone, then you diversify yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, That'll, that'll get you through it. You know, we, we have uh, probably the only business in the world. I, I, I heard this a long time ago from Nick Murray, one of our industry uh, <laughs> you know, uh, gurus, a really good guy. Uh, anyway, he, he said a long time ago, we, 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 we really, this is the only business 
where we mark up our prices, people flock to the door and buy more. And if we mark down our prices temporarily, they run out the door. Okay, <laughs> okay. So the exactly opposite of what people do every with every other thing in their lives, sort of a thing. So think about that, folks. When when you have these reds, you know the the, the, the these the up and downs of the market. Sometimes we get too greedy and we derive them above their real value. Sometimes we get too scared and we drive them below. Okay, everything gets back to, to the mean, okay, over a long enough period of time, folks. Okay, and so these these downturns are enough period of time, folks. Okay, and so these these downturns are opportunities. Don't stop making money in your 401k because it looks like the market's not going to be good for the next year or two. Hey, all that money that's going in every month is going to buy stuff cheaper and cheaper, and you're going to get paid for that. So yes, later, yeah. so you, you got to have some comfort. By the way, uh, so this is the behavior show, folks. Okay, you can't control what the markets are going to do, but you can control what you're going to do about them, sort of a thing. Okay, it's it's a really scary, emotional kind of a thing, but you got to be careful with your emotions. You can't, you, they can't get in the way of your well, another another um, addition to that, and another very easy way to take the emotions out is just look at what, the way you save money in your 401k or your IRA, particularly your 401k, some type of pension at work. Money is going into that account every week, every month. <clears throat> so instead of looking to buy on the downturns and you don't know. Yeah. It just goes in, yeah. and we'll use this term dollar cost averaging. Yep. And what's happening is you're buying when the prices are down, and you put in a hundred dollars, you're going to buy more shares than you would buy if the price was $150 yep. or whatever. So, and that happens automatically. So that automatically takes the emotion out as well. Yep. Folks, here's uh, something else I'll throw at you. Volatility does not equal loss. It equals volatility. Okay. I'll give you a, a, a pretty uh, simple example. If you, you if you bought a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund, a bunch of investments, folks, there's my definition for those. If you bought a, one of those, and you paid $10 a share for that fund. Well, Okay, if you woke up next week, I'm exaggerating here, and it's down to $6 a share, you're probably not too happy. Okay, um, maybe you got scared. The volatility took it from 10 to 6, okay? Well, if you if you sold at 6 and ran away, okay, you just created a loss. Okay, but volatility is not a loss unless you make it so, folks, that's your behavior. Okay, so by the way, so instead of selling it, if you prayed, had faith, or just didn't read any more financial press for a little while, okay, and if you woke up a month from now, and, and the price is 15, I'm making up numbers to illustrate a point, folks. Okay, well, then when it went down to 6, okay, I'm going to describe that is a temporary downward fluctuation in the value of your stuff. Okay, and so there, I rest my case. Volatility is not equal to loss unless I make it so. And what you have to believe by not selling, okay, is that the world's going to get better, and sometimes it takes a lot of faith and courage to, to act that way. Okay? A, a good analogy there, too. I, I, one chart I wish I still had, which I don't. <clears throat> Several years ago, before moving to Doug Myers, um, I lived in, in Framingham, and I had my house on the market for sale. And the realtor showed me a chart, which was just one chart. 
to me was very interesting. And she said, look at this. I just want to show you how prices fluctuate in real estate. If you look at it on a monthly basis, ah, okay. now, yeah. we all own real estate. We don't know too many people that have lost money, although some people have. Oh, well, I, know, I know a few. Okay. But if you value your property every month, yeah. believe it or not, yeah. you would see some fluctuation. Yeah, would, yeah, right. And the fact that you never see it, you don't even think about it that way. And that's yeah, a good, good way to yeah, kind of compare to the markets as well, because so in the long run, hopefully, we're going to the northeast. There you go. Okay. Uh, so, by the way, an, another little factoid. Okay. Uh, the stock market volatility, hopefully, isn't your volatility. You know, if you have a, a globally diversified portfolio of stock and bond investments, we'll get into that a little bit later on. If you've got a whole bunch of eggs in a whole bunch of different baskets, it's called diversification. You know, uh, if you have a conservative portfolio, uh, you know, and I did this with a client the other day. Oh, uh, Mr. Klein, I understand. I'm concerned about the market. Well, yeah. Well, let me show you something. Uh, oh, did you know that 15% of your money is in the United States stock market? You know, if you've got bonds and other stuff. Okay, so, oh, I didn't know that. Well, so let me see. So 15% of your money is in the U.S. stock market, and it temporarily goes in half next week. Unless I miss my guess, you're down to seven and a half. Okay, so, so folks, the stock market volatility ain't your volatility unless you got all of your money in the U.S. stock market, and that wouldn't particularly be a bright idea given the circumstances. Okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about things that most people, I think, understand. Hopefully, if we talk about them, they have a better understanding. It's the emotions that get in the way, it's right? It's the emotions. And, you know, people ask you talk about a client meeting that just brought up my meeting last week. Why are we having all this volatility? And uh, I'm not sure I have the exact answer, but there are a couple of things going on. One is, and we know we don't talk about politics, but there's a term called geopolitical. Because there's so many things happening around the world. There's one thing about the stock market that we do know is that the stock market does not like uncertainty. It likes a lot of things, but uncertainty is not one of those things because it just doesn't know. So now with the world the way it is, with tariff deals and trade deals and countries going every which way, things have become a little more, again, I don't want to use volatile, let's use the word uncertainty. Yeah, we yeah. just don't know, and yeah. the markets don't react well to that. I'm only bringing this up yeah. because oh, yeah. I think this volatility, if you will, is going to be with us. Oh, yeah. By the way, folks, you get paid for volatility. Uh, anyway, uh, so this is a call in talk radio show. Our telephone number is 781-837-4900. Uh, if you have a question for us, so, well, this is your special day. We, uh, we have open lines. That's a radio euphemism for saying nobody's calling just yet, but that's okay. Hope springs eternal here. Anyway, so if you're a little nervous about what's going on in the world the last couple of uh, weeks re regards your investments, um, hey, give us a call and maybe we can uh, help you out a little bit. We're talking about volatility and risk, some exciting stuff uh, that goes on here, okay? Uh, so let me see. Um, any, you want to pick any of those topics? And, uh, what, what do you yeah, um, just, just to reiterate, I think one of the things on the list here we said uh, uh, don't necessarily pay attention to uh, to the volatility. I think that's I think that's very very important because Mike can probably attest to this 
as well with his clients. You might get a letter, an email, a client appointment where they'll come in and express their fear of the market. Mm. And I think it's our job. One of the jobs that I define uh, what, what we do is hand-holding. And I think if the value of our service to our clients that can be summed up with many, at least many of our clients, I could say we did keep them calm from behaving badly. From behaving badly. Yeah. And over the long run, yeah. that's benefited them immensely. Yeah. Right, right. And to that point, that was a perfect segue. So, folks, okay, um, I want to go uh, someplace that will hopefully illustrate that. So, there's a, an outfit in Boston called the Dalton Corporation, uh, and they're a financial research firm based in Boston, been around for a long time. Uh, they have had an ongoing study going on for a whole bunch of years. Okay, uh, and the official name of the study, I gotta get this right here. Okay, uh, it is uh, a, a, it's a quantum, I'm, I'm, I don't see it right, but it's a quantitative analysis of investor behavior. Okay, uh, and, and, and my, my comment is I described the study as investor returns versus investment returns. And uh, I'm about to have some fun here, but uh, maybe we have a caller. So already we have Michael in Kingston. Good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning, guys. How can we um, help you? I just turned on the show, and um, it was a, the exact moment when I turned it on. I heard you saying volatility does not yep. equal loss, and then you explained it. And um, I've got an IRA, yep. and um, it's... Uh, it's um, it's it, you know it, it plummeted in my on my estimation it plummeted thirty two thousand dollars in the past month. Okay. Um, and everything is relative, of course. Sure. What, but anyway, the, yeah. So I've taken a, a draw on that um, over the past three years since I retired, about two thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And to, to stop the bleeding, I told my financial advisor to please. Don't, don't give me a drawer anymore. And the reason I did that was, number one, to stop the bleeding, but I'm also about to make a gain on the sale of my house. Yep. And, um, and that's not taxable, so I was thinking I'd just live off of that for the next couple of years. So my question is, I spoke to another financial advisor who said, you know, it's not really not that big of a deal if you continue to take the draw um, on, on a monthly basis. So I wanted to... Uh, you guys continue on whether or not it's worth it to try to stop uh, the bleeding myself. Uh, oh boy, we're gonna. This is great. And by the way, thank, thank you so much for this call. Uh, and again, so by the way, if you ask now, the four financial advisors you talked about two, there were such two sitting here. You're probably gonna get eight different answers. But let, let me give that a rip, and I'm sure Mark is gonna chime in here. Mark, go ahead. Mike, let me ask you one question. Are you? You don't sound like it, but are you uh, at the point where you have to take the IRA distributions? Is a part of your RMD, your required minimum distribution? Uh, no, I'm, 60, I'm 67. Okay, okay, and, good. Young guy. No, I just, do not. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Mike, right, so yeah. Mike, just bet <laughs> your life. So, just a couple of questions first before we launch here. So, that $32,000 drop, okay, if you turn as nail or early as we kind of say, you know, sometimes it's better to talk about percentages as opposed to dollars. So, could you tell us roughly what percentage of all of your money that $32,000 was? Was it 5%, 10%, 20%? Uh, I, 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 I,
10%, 50%? I mean, uh, was it a big number or a small number? And if you don't know, if you don't want to divulge, just kind of give us a generic answer here. Well, you guys can pull out the calculator. Yeah. The um, IRA went from 560 down to uh, 518. All right, so, so, so basically from 560 to 518. So that's basically 42 from 560, okay? Uh, okay, super. So that, by the way, so that is like a 7.5% drop. Okay, so that would, that would okay, again, Mike, thank you so much for calling. We want to ask you a few questions. So do you know what percentage of stocks and bonds you have in that portfolio? How does it mix? Yeah, it's a 65-35 split, so 65 stocks, 35 bonds. Okay, well, first of all, that sounds like a fairly significant drop for a 60-40 portfolio, but, but it is what it is, okay? So... Um, my comment to that is, and it's good. I guess it's good that you're selling a house, but so I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to, you know, it bad mouth other folks. But in in my business, and this is a relatively common practice uh, across the industry, we have income buckets for our clients who are taking money. Okay, what what does that mean? Okay, we like to have inside of our client portfolios in cash, like a nice safe money market fund or maybe treasury bills, we like to have two years of income that we're going to send folks, like in the bank, okay, basically, or secure. Okay, so for example, and I'll, I'll make, uh, you know, how much per month do you take out, Mike? Uh, what's your number? 2000 plus I get another 2000 Social Security, so that guides me over. Yeah, let's use the 2000 then. Okay, so you're going to take 2000 a month. What I would say is that inside your portfolio, you ought to have approximately two years of $2,000 per month, okay, in the portfolio, nice and safe, so that you don't have to worry about what happens in your portfolio from one month to the other. Okay. Okay. It was at twenty thousand. They had it. They had it at twenty thousand in that bucket, that cash bucket, and they just jacked it up to forty-eight the other day. Yeah, but that was too late. They just did it. Well, that was too late, right? Okay. So, so a couple things. Okay. So, let me again. I want to be careful here how I say this, but I'm going to say it. So, the way that we do it is it's pretty simple. And I'm going to make up some numbers, and maybe you ought to have this discussion with those folks because I don't think that you were planned out far enough to deal with this volatility. I like to say we don't know what's coming, but we can plan for it and prepare for it. So I'm going to make up some numbers just to give you an idea here. So let's pretend that your portfolio, there are some naturally occurring dividends of interest in your portfolio that come to, if you're at, five, say, say uh, $12,000. Okay. Okay. So, and, and so, by the way, dividends and interest, they change a little bit from time to time, but they don't go up or down hugely like your price does. So, so if I knew that we were going to probably have a pretty good chance of collecting 12 grand a year out of your portfolio, well, then, if I sold $12,000 worth of some stuff in your portfolio and put it in a money market fund, between the 12 I just created and the 12 I know I'm going to collect, I'm pretty sure I can send you two grand a month the next year. Do you follow that? I do. Yeah, okay. So, by the way, with that example, if I sold $24,000 worth of stuff and put it in a nice, warm, fuzzy money market fund, we'd get you covered for the next two years. 
Gotcha. Okay, and so you wouldn't have to read a newspaper or worry about where your checks were coming from for the next two years. Okay, and you wouldn't have to replenish your portfolio with stuff after it went down. That sounds like what happened last week. Okay, not good planning. My point is you can plan for this stuff, and it doesn't sound like you were very well planned. You ought to have some discussions about that, okay? So did I explain that? Okay, I got one more place to go, but okay, so far, any questions? I'm with you. Okay, so, okay, hopefully, and we mentioned this official investment terminal, our asset allocation, hopefully you have a good combination of stocks and bond investments. You had like a 65-35, that's good, okay. So, so you know, you have this allocation where you're supposed to have X amount of percentage of stuff in all of your portfolios, okay? You know, we're supposed to have 10% here and 50% there, yada, 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 okay? So, so when we we review our client buckets, okay, regularly, okay, every quarter, okay, uh, and so it, it's kind of cool here, okay? So if uh, in the bucket, okay, um, it, sorry, I just lost my thoughts, okay, um, Anyway, okay, uh, we create these buckets, and, you know, every quarter, if it pops up, oh, no, no, I, I, I forgot. So here, here's the story. So people are going to say, well, where are you going to get the $24,000 to put it in my cash account? Okay, so that we buy you a two-year bucket. Well, okay, it's pretty easy, okay? Um, you're supposed to have this certain mixture of stocks and bonds, but it changes every day. Okay, at our business, my son Justin pushes a button. That's a little more complicated than that. But it says, hey, where are we going to get 24000 and and, the, and it'll say, we take some from here, some from there, but don't take any from here or there. Okay, we use, okay, taking money from a portfolio as a rebalance opportunity. Okay, so we push a button, grab twenty four grand. It would probably be from your stocks mostly in your portfolio. After we take out that twenty four grand. Your portfolio is back to its exact initial proportions that it was supposed to be. Okay, that's where we get the money from. So, so my point in your call is, is perfect. Okay, you can plan. Okay, for these things to happen, a 65-35 portfolio is a pretty conservative portfolio. It sounds pretty appropriate. That seven and a half percent seems like a lot, but that, I'm leaving that alone, Mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think yeah. for Michael in your situation. Um, if because of the sale of your house, they might be a perfect time to make this bucket. In other words, assuming, let's say you came out with more than 24000 I'm coming out with forty seven. Yeah. All right, we'll take, take 25 of that or whatever and put it in this bucket. And that way, when the market has a downturn, uh, obviously you need that $2,000. That's probably part of your cash flow. Yeah. Take the $2,000 out of your bucket, and hopefully the market eventually starts to improve again and gets yeah. back there. And, but as you go forward, if you can, replenish that bucket. But that way you're taking, in other words, just like Mike said, you're taking less money out of your... Out of the yeah, in the red zone. Yeah, take, take what you need, sort of a thing. And, and that's a toggle back and forth. Yes. By the way, but back to your IRA. So, so the, like the summary statement is, you know, you have an asset allocation that sounds appropriate, although that 7.5 is a pretty good size drop. That doesn't sound right. But anyway, okay, uh, you have a, a generically a 65% stock, 
40, a 35% bond mixture, we're kind of assuming you got to need a decent one. Okay, that's an appropriate kind of application for you. Okay, uh, and it's okay to take money out of it, but you know, if you've got a, you know, a bucket of a couple of years, by the way, maybe even three, well then you don't have to be in the position that apparently you have been where they're selling stuff after they went down to raise money to refill your bucket sort of a thing. So that was lack of planning from my point of view. Okay, uh, and I'm sorry about that. And, and I guess luckily you sold the house and that can mitigate it to some extent. But, you know, the, the whole point is you can't predict stuff, but you can kind of plan for it and kind of hope it works. So so other questions or comments for us while we got you here? Uh, no, but as soon as that drop happened to me <clears throat> over the past uh, couple of weeks, I was curious. I was not happy about <clears throat> the, the performance uh, since um, this past May. Yeah. And then over this past month, when it happened, um, it prompted me to pick up the phone, and I actually uh, spoke with Alyssa the other day. Oh, okay. Um, but, but I didn't, you know, and, and so my concern has always been, well, you know, I'm trying to stop the bleeding, and um, the way you just, you just explained it to me, is the bleeding isn't um, as bad as it sounds, and, um, and, and provided I have the right management um, solution, I think is what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm always looking for explanations. Yeah. I don't understand a lot of the jingle. That's why I tune in here. Oh, hey, thank you. Well, we like to think we explain things in English here most of the time, but you can't predict the stuff, but you can certainly be prepared in two or three ways to kind of deal with it. And that's about as good as you can make it sort of a thing. Uh, you know, if you have, you know, I've had some discussions in the last week or two, you know, if an average downturn in my lifetime is 12 to 18 months, that's an average one. Well, we generally say, let's have two years worth of buckets in your portfolio. And thank God that us that got us through the 18 months, 2007, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the other thing I got going is uh, I, I've got an annuity that I'm going to kick in a few years. Yeah, okay. So, 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 anyways, I, I think you guys covered the bases, and I can't talk for your time and feedback. Hey, thank you so much for your call, Mark. Okay, you have a good day and good luck. Okay. All right. Thank you, man. Okay, boy, that was a great call. Super. And uh, look at that. We're about three or four minutes late for break, so I think it's a good time to do that. The South Shore's breaking news weather and traffic station. W-A-T-T. FM Marshfield, WMEX Boston, 95.9, WATT.com. This is Alyssa McNamara Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Here's what people want to know about me. Are you a fiduciary? Are you independent? And thus are your recommendations for me in my best interest? Are your costs reasonable? Can you help me with my money and making a plan for my future? Fortunately, the answer to all of those questions is yes. Call my office to find out more. 781-834-2010. You own a business or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits, for instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Uh, oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in the state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. 
Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. This is Kirk Reed from McNamara with Financial. I often get asked, when should I start collecting Social Security? It's not always a quick question to answer, it's an important one. If you'd like to have a conversation about your situation, give me a call at 781-834-2010 or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. We're back, and you are listening to McNamara on Money here on WATD. Michael, no fishing for you this afternoon. Oh, that's a safe statement, dear. This is 95.9 FM WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial radio show, and I really like it that way, actually. Uh, my guest uh, and good friend Mark Collier, financial advisor, uh, is with us, and we're talking about volatility. Let me, okay. let me just mention one thing, Mike, before yeah. you get into the volatility. If Mike sounds a little down based on his usual Mike consider it an LOF problem that he's got. He might have told some of you people maybe this I call LOF lack of fish. <laughs> this is the first year in how many years, Mike? Thirty-one. Thirty-one years without a fish in summer. Uh, okay. I take that into consideration. Other than that, he's doing fine. I'm in therapy and doing fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, folks, I have to make a couple of announcements before we get back to the fun stuff. So, number one, I'd like to give a shout-out to the Marshfield Food Pantry. Uh, they need our help. They have a whole bunch of uh, local families here in Marshfield. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're just good folks down there. So, please help them out with a donation of food or money. You can send your tax-deductible donation to the Marshfield Food Pantry, Post Office Box 1907, Marshfield, Massachusetts, 02050. Or you can drop enough donations of food or canned goods or cash uh, at their world headquarters down in the Marshfield Library Plaza. They have a great little place down there. Okay, so let's see. Oh, yeah, next week, Mark, you're doing a, a, a reprise visit with us next week. Uh, we're going to have some fun next week. I'm going to do my annual Halloween show next Saturday. I'm getting so excited, I can't stand it. Financial tricks or treats, and so we're going to kind of talk about a whole bunch of money important financial topics, but have a little fun doing them, and uh, I promise you that you probably learned at least one or two things with that show, and, uh, and have a little fun while you're listening. So financial tricks or treats, and then Saturday, November 3rd, uh, my friend Pat Harrodin uh, and Rob Decker of Arthur J. Gallagher will be filling in. I'll be fishing in the warm place uh, without red tide next week for about a week or so. Uh, and uh, the subject for the show is employer-sponsored retirement plan. It's okay, those 401ks that you have at work. So, you know, that's a good friend. Uh, and uh, if you have a 401k, well, that would be a good reason to listen. So next Saturday, financial tricks or treats. I'm so excited, I can't stand it. And then the Saturday after that, November 3rd, it's employer-sponsored retirement plan. Okay, so this is called in talk radio show. Uh, we're talking about uh, volatility and scary stuff going on in the financial markets. Uh, and um, let's see, we've been going back and forth uh, with some points that we're making that are hopefully helpful to you. And uh, I'm going to make one other point here to kind of start off the, the last half of the show. So, so I think probably the big macroeconomic 
point is um, that you don't want to let your invest your emotions get in the way of your investment strategy because it, it ain't good if you have emotions and act on them uh, if you're an investor. So so uh, there's no question that when markets are great, they're making lots of money. That's kind of fun. And there's no question when markets aren't so good, they're going down. Okay, it's kind of scary. Okay, but... You know, everybody has those emotions, but it's what you do or don't do about them. It's your behavior that really is what's important, okay? And again, I want to go to a, one other kind of source here and attempt to make that point. So anyway, there's an outfit in Boston called the Dalbar Corporation. They're a research outfit for investments, been around for a long time, good folks. And they publish an annual study uh, every every year, and I think it's officially called a quantitative analysis of investor behavior. Uh, I call it investor returns versus investment return. Uh, and okay, I, I want to quote some numbers. So first of all, I'm grabbing the numbers from Double Bar from 2017. Okay, and I'm grabbing it from an article. Where did I get this article? Okay, so let's see. Uh, I don't even know, but the fellow who wrote it, it's online. His name was Lance Roberts. Uh, and the official name of this, the, the article I'm quoting here is Investors Suck at Investing and Tips for Advisors. Okay, it's a family show, but this is like the title of this article. I'm going to say it a little bit more gently when I do my summary comments here. But anyway, so, so here's the here's the double bar survey, and here are some results that numbers that absolutely blow me away, and then I'll explain why, why they're so weird, okay? So, so what they do is they compare the average investor in the stock, U.S. stock mutual funds, okay, with the performance of the Standard & Poor's 500, basically the U.S. stock market. Okay, so investors investing in stock mutual funds versus the actual stock market. Okay, okay, uh, and this study has been running for a long, long time, and I just look forward to getting the new one every year. But anyway, here, here are some numbers that continue to blow my mind here. All right, and so here we are. Okay, investors in the last five years have earned 9.83% per year on their U.S. stock funds. Okay. During that time, the U.S. stock market has averaged 14.66 percent. Wait, that's 9.83 versus 14.66. If you do percentages, that's a big, that's a big jump. Hmm. Well, that doesn't sound right. How can that be? Okay, 10 years. Got that. Okay. 3.64 for investors. We remember we've got that mess since 2789 wrapped in there. 3.64 for investors. I'm using the term generously with investors. I would call them something actually different, but nevertheless, investors 364, stock market 695. Oh, about half. 20 years. The 20 years includes the two worst stock markets in our lifetime, so that's a good number. Investors, 4.79% per year. Stock market, 7.68% per year. That's a, those are big numbers. 4.79 versus 7.68. And for 30 years, and I just love this, for 30 years, investors, 3.98% per year. 
the stock market at 10.16% per year. Okay. The, those numbers are absolutely positively mind-blowing, and they continue to blow my mind, and I see this study every year. Okay, so the question is, how is it possible that investor return does not equal investment return? And the answer is, ta-da, apparently the investor wasn't in the investment all of that time. Okay, those investors were, which, and I wouldn't use the term, those investors, people trying to invest, maybe a better choice, they were in and out of the markets at the wrong time. Okay, their, their behavior was, and this is, I'm quoting factoids here, folks, their behavior was, they sold after it went down, and they bought after it went up. We call that financial suicide, folks, okay? So investor return, how can it possibly not equal investment return? Yeah, investment return? Because you weren't there for the whole game, folks. Okay, and that's that's what we're talking about here, okay? You know, people get scared. Well, I'm not time of the market. I'm just leaving. I'm going to sell now and wait till things get better. Okay, let me see if I get this right. You're going to sell your stuff after it went down. That's called guaranteeing your loss. And then when things get really good, you know, it goes back up and maybe even higher price than it was the last time. You're going to buy back in at a stupid price. Yeah, let me let me write that down. Let me I'll make a note of that, folks. Okay, investor return, investment return. Google the double bar study, folks. Uh, quantitative analysis of investor behavior. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I rest my case. I'm, I'm done on that topic. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it just reminds me of something you said earlier, Mike. That kind of reminds me of going into a store, and um, when the prices are at normal prices, you're buying whatever you need, but when they're having a sale, you're not there. So you're you're doing the opposite of what uh, you know, you're what, supposed to do. What you're supposed to do, yeah. and that's what people do in the market. And I think something that leads to that um, that fear, I think, is 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 watching the market too closely. I know I'll get a call occasionally. And say, I would say at all. At you all. can say too closely. Well, <laughs> they're watching. I'm not picking up CNBC because I watch it because I I like to watch. It. And see what's going on, sure. but when people listen to it, depending on the talking head that's on at that moment, this is why the market's going down. This is why it's going up, and the the, the average person takes from that whatever they want to take from it. If they're looking for the bad news, they're going to find the bad news, and that leads people to sell when they probably shouldn't. And again, that's where I think the advisor really earned their keep is to be there to tell people or at least advise them as to what's best now it's your money you do what you want with it all we could do is give you our years of experience and uh, you take it or leave it but yeah it's uh, I, I never took any psychology courses in, in at Pops. I should have done that I, I, okay anyway because 
you know, our, our main job, uh, you know, so the, the investment and stuff, well, we've been doing, that, that's not the issue. The markets are going to do what they're going to do. It's what people do about them that, that gets them into trouble, sort of thing. And, and, and we get paid for not letting people make mistakes or attempting to not let them make mistakes, okay? Uh, and and, and it, it, is, it is your behavior, folks, that will mess you up. Okay, and that's probably one of the macroeconomic points of the discussion that we're having here. It's your behavior that's going to mess you up. And that's what makes the difference between the investor return and the investment return. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Um, okay, so let me think here. Where are we? You want to pick on anything there, Mark? Well, just to expand a little bit more on the advice, um, not to mention any names, but I, I did an article years ago in the Boston Globe about advice that's given just broadly. Uh, people that are on national television, national radio, uh, giving financial advice. And oftentimes, I think my degree, sometimes we disagree with some of the things people say. For example, one very famous woman who will go unnamed, who everyone, if I mention her name, you all know who I'm talking about, said, um, you know, when the market's down, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should not put money into your 401k. Use that money for something else. Now, I think to Mike and I, we agree that's probably the worst advice because I had people call me and relate that story. And I said, I totally disagree with that. So getting back to the taking the emotions out is that investing on a regular basis is probably one of the best things you can do. It is the best thing you can do without question. Uh, I like to, to that point, I like to make the following example. So... Okay, you could have absolutely positively the best investment strategy on the planet inside your 401k. But if you saved a dollar a month for retirement, you're probably in trouble for it. Okay, you could have absolutely positively the worst investment strategy in your 401k. And if you saved five grand a month, you're probably going to be okay. You know, so it's, and, that, and that's an extreme, but that, kind of that it illustrates the point, folks. I tend to speak in big generic terms, and hopefully that works most of the time. Uh, I, I think that let's, let's stick with the media and the news and all that excitement for a moment. Folks, the, okay, so let's see. What's the statement? Um, I guess my statement would be that short of the term performance uh, in any area of the investment world is completely unpredictable, okay, uh, and random by nature, okay? Uh, unfortunately, and that's what all the financial news focuses on, okay? And, you know, we, so we get sucked into, oh, my God, the feds are rising rates, uh, raising rates, what am I going to do next week sort of a thing, okay? Okay, that goes back to the stock market. Maybe we ought to, uh, I'm going to give Mikey's definition of the stock market here, and it's pretty simplistic, but the, I'm thinking it illustrates the point. So the stock market is a store, and in that store every day, people and institutions buy and sell stocks. Okay. okay. This is what's going on. Okay. And if the mood of the world is good and economies are good and stuff, everybody's happy, everybody's making money, everybody's buying stuff. And if the mood of the world is terror and it's coming to an end, everybody's selling stuff. Okay, so so in that store, you can you can correct you later or get embellished. But in that store, okay, you, every day somebody's going to sell something, and every day somebody's going to buy that. So there's buying and selling going on. Okay, the folks who are buying 
any particular stock or industry or country, whatever the heck they're buying. The folks that are buying are thinking good things about the future of those companies. Uh, the folks uh, that are selling are thinking not so good things about the future of those companies. And that's all those goings on reported by the minute. You don't even get daily reports. I mean, they come out by the minute or by the hour because that's what the stock market's focused on. Well, okay, if we go back to, we told you a long time ago, in, so companies go up over the long run up to make more money. And if you own a bunch of them, you're okay. Well, so what effect did me selling my Google to you today? Because I think it's going down. You think, what, what effect did that have on what Google's going to do and its business practices and how much money it's going to make for the next decade? Nothing. Okay, folks, what goes on in the stock market day to day is what you read about and get nervous or greedy about. But materially, it has extremely very little to do with what your companies in your portfolio are going to be doing in the next 5 or 10 15 years. Thankfully, those companies have their own future in their hands, and they kind of figure out things, whether we have tariffs, whether we have rising taxes, whatever kind of stuff's going on in the world. You know, this capitalism thing working pretty good. Those companies have kind of figured out how to deal with whatever is going on, and that's what's at work here. So, folks, what's going on in the stock market is irrelevant. We don't have a Wall Street Journal or a Barron in our office. We'd much rather have people in USA Today because it doesn't matter what goes on short term. It's completely random. It's completely unpredictable. And once you figure that out, you know, hey, Make a book, read a book, uh, play with the grandkids. Don't 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 turn on the TV. I'm sorry, it hurt you. I'm sorry. Go, go for it. Okay? And, and I think I totally agree with that. I, I think if you add to that uh, something else that really has nothing to do with the companies, it actually doesn't have to do with us investors as well. Is program training. So in any cases, you know, there's a computer sitting there, and maybe it's based on the momentum, or it's looking at some kind of a some kind of an algorithm or something where they where they, where it tells that program whether to buy and sell a stock. That so one algorithm goes off and the program traders start to sell the stock. Another one kicks in. That really has nothing to do in many cases with the companies themselves. Virtually nothing. It's it's really just the market and the pricing in the market. So not only do investors move sometimes in the wrong way, but sometimes the program trading, and it, it, uh, I have trouble with this word, exasperating the go. problem. It yeah. just makes it even more exaggerating. Exaggerating yeah. the problem yeah. and, and just makes it bigger than it really should be. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another reason to sometimes ignore these real, real smart guys. Yeah, yeah. Folk, folks write this down. It's stock market equals gambling. Okay, owning a bunch of great companies, okay, uh, throughout the world, okay, equals long-term investing, okay, which, which, you know, the, the odds of those companies making more money that you, the odds of the three or four thousand companies that you hopefully own in your portfolio making more money between now and the rest of your life, I'm liking those odds better than what's going to go on next week, regardless of who's president, what tariffs we're talking about, okay, uh, where, where interest rates are going, or whatever the heck else is going on in the world, folks, okay, you, you need to understand understand that. It's just noise, and it can be harmful to long-term investors, which is what you need to be. Whew. Okay. Take Do you want to, maybe we could get into a little more on asset allocation? Sure. In fact, I was, thank okay. you. I think we need to get into that. So go for it. Okay. Well, I mean, 
we're trying to give some tips and some advice as to how to avoid volatility. And one of the things that Mike and I do in our practices, and we think a good advisor would do, is to say, listen, depending on your, and there's many ways you can derive, we can derive this for you, is uh, to your risk tolerance, and obviously it's your time frame. There's a lot of factors that go into it. It's not just one simple question. But once we come up with some kind of a risk profile, a timeline for you, and so forth, we can formulate an asset allocation which is appropriate given your tolerance for the volatility. And the way we do that, and Mike, I'm sure, has explained this on many of his programs, is it not just to put all the money, let's say, into the S&P 500, as good as it is, and as great as we say it is, and we'll show you all these graphs. But one of the ways we mitigate some of the volatility is to just simply diversify, not just in the S&P 500, but in cash, in bonds, in foreign investments, in small companies, medium-sized companies, all over the place, absolutely. And if you, once you, once we have that allocation, so to say, which is a percentage in each one, assuming that's the correct percentage for you. It's your pie, folks. That's my official term. Your asset allocation is your pie with your slices. Once you have your pie, uh, our job as advisors is to try and keep your portfolio as much in those correct slices as possible. Now, what this does is a couple of things. One of the things it does is it actually makes you a real smart guy. Because what's going to happen is when the stock market goes up, your slice of the pie that's in the S&P 500 or foreign stocks, whatever, that's going up, and it's time for us to what we call rebalance. So we may actually take money out of that slice and put it into one of the other slices that has not grown as much. But eventually, that slice that keeps getting larger and larger and larger is going to correct it, and it's it's going to shrink a bit. We were smart. We were out of it in some cases before that even happened. Yeah, I am. And then I, I, with folks I meet for the first time, I, I do a little investment songs and dance that lasts about an hour and a half. And it's basically everything. A little? Okay, well, it's everything I've learned in 38 years, an hour and a half, and it probably could do, I could probably do it in 20 minutes. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, so the, the, the bottom line here, okay, is that, okay, um, you, you need to have a bunch of different kinds of stocks and bonds in your portfolio, okay? They're, they're percentages, but, but I'm going to do, I have a quiz on the presentation I do in the, in the quiz. Oh, we have a call. Let's go to Stephen Marshfield first. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good morning. How are you today? Just fine, thanks. How can we help you? Well, uh, my wife recently retired, and I have a question about roll, rolling over her um, for the three p Okay. And um, since it's close to the end of the year, her company is actually changing their selection of funds in the 403B. Yeah. So they're going to be moving that money as of November the 30th. Okay. My yeah. question is in regards to capital gains and dividends of the funds that the money is in. Okay, piece of cake. Uh, that 403B is a box, and inside that box your wife has some tax-deferred investments. Okay. Right. Anything that happens inside that box, no taxes whatsoever. That's the right. beauty of it. So, so there are none. Okay, so they're, they're mapping. So she has a strategy with some investments, and they're mapping it over to a similar strategy with different investments. So that's basically what's going on? 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, there, there aren't any, any tax consequences whatsoever. The only time that you have tax consequences with a cheap will is, is when you start actually withdrawing funds out of that account for your personal use. Right. And my other question was, is will she still capture the, the capital uh, dividends and the capital gain if, um, in December? Uh, let's see. Uh, if they're changing it over. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, okay, so my presumption is, and Mark can open but my presumption is that she's reinvesting all the dividends and interest in the portfolio, or they're being reinvested for her. So, so any gains, uh, okay, it, it, you're talking about in, in the new in the new stocks, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, you, the, the, you'll, they get reinvested and you'll capture them, and the good news is you don't pay tax on them because they're sitting inside there. Right. So instead of, instead of capturing the capital gains and dividends that were in the current funds, she'll capture them in the new fund. Uh, yes, I, I would say basically yes. It's a, yeah, that's generically what's going to happen uh, because of the move that obviously make, makes the math more complex. If it's a similar strategy with similar investments, and pro yeah, then, then that should probably be a relative non-event in terms of that. Yes. And looking at the new funds, it looks like that they do their distributions around the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's generally a December thing for most exactly. funds, exactly from there. So, by the way, so, so uh, what, what is the mixture that she has, by the way, there, Steve? Um, it's um, probably uh, right now, I actually have moved most of her bond money into a cash position because we're going to roll it out of the workplace retirement into an individual um, IRA cool. rollover. Yeah, and what's the strategy that you're going to have in the new place? Have you thought about that yet? Yeah, I think we're going to probably be, since, okay. since we're both retired, probably in the 60-40 um, spread. Okay. Um, with some probably so, ETF type of funds because uh, they're low, low cost. There you go. So, uh, so with the IRA that you're going to go to, so if, if there's an allocation that either you're going to use from somebody else or make up on your own, hopefully you use it from somebody yeah, else. Yeah, we've had some suggestions from, uh, from the planners. Yeah. So then the only the only other thing is so okay that all makes great sense. So when does what's the plan for starting to take money out of there? How far away is that? Um, it's probably going to be within the next year or two. Okay, and, and is what you're going to take out, do you, do you know what, okay, what kind of a withdrawal rate are you going to have? You know, the, the, if she had 100000 in there and you took out 10000 that's a 10% withdrawal rate. So, yeah, we're you know, looking at a 3 to 4% rate withdrawal rate. You're, doing, you're checking all the boxes here so far. Then the only, the only other thing that I'd throw in, and I'm sure Mark will have a comment or two here, but... but did you hear us talking about the bucket a while ago? Right. Yeah, okay. Right. Make sure that you kind of create a couple, maybe even three years uh, worth of future income in the portfolio between right. people, between the dividends and interest from whatever you might sell. That just buys you a peace of mind. You know, people who are withdrawing funds are more vulnerable to downturns than people who are not. Yeah, we're actually looking at putting um, a good you know, portion of the money into like short-term investments, some in cash and some in like short-term treasuries. And yeah, okay, like good. Well, sounds like you got your head on straight. Mark, any comments? Or? No, I think, I think they've covered most of it. Just, um, Steve, be careful. Make sure you have your beneficiaries in line on the new, um, yeah. on the new IRA. Of course, you can, you, that, yeah. Yeah, you, can, uh, you can obviously uh, assign that any which way you want, but be very careful with it. Um, if you need some advice, you may reach out to an advisor. I don't know if you have trusts or things like that. But. No, that's the next.
except we haven't, uh, we've done our wills, but we haven't done our trust. You have money, you have all these things you got to do, right? Well, steps. it is. It's, it's, it's a pretty complicated uh, process, actually, but and that's why you guys are out there. So. Hey, by the way, be thankful your life is complicated, Steve. I know, right? right. Was she a teacher, your wife? Was a teacher? Absolutely. <laughs> Any other questions or comments before we let you go? No, I love the show. Keep doing what you do. Hey, thanks for the call. We appreciate talking to you. All right. Okay. Have a good day. All right, he's got his head on straight. I like that. We yeah. couldn't help him at all for crying out loud. He's been listening. He's been listening for a while. All right, well, you know, the good news is we're about three minutes uh, late for our 9.30 break, so let's do it. Hey, Papa, it's time for a break tonight. I'm on ice cream now. My daughter wants a pair of shoes that have those little wheels built in to make them skates. I told her she has to wait until her birthday, which is 167 days away, in eternity for a six-year-old. This idea of delayed gratification is all too uncommon in our society, but is an un- underlying theme with the clients that I work with. Not many people can build a nest egg and thus a secure financial future by being impulsive. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial Marshfield. Give me a call if I can help you with your delayed gratification, which I'm sure will be worth the wait. You own a business, or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality, and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care laws, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits, prisons. Do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Galaxy benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. Hi, this is Mike McNamara with McNamara Financial Services in Marshfield. Folks want an advisor they can trust. The problem is that you just don't start off trusting someone. Trust is earned, and that takes time. So, how do you find that person carefully and one step at a time? I suggest that you take that first step and call our office for an introductory meeting. Ask lots of questions. Ask for some referrals. Go home and think about it. Come back if you want to talk to someone. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. We're back. You are listening to McNamara on Money here on WATD. Okay, Michael, take it away. Alrighty, this is 95.9 FM, WATD in Marshfield, the South Shores radio station. Local news, local sports, local politics, and local weather, and local financial talk. It doesn't get any more local than this, folks. Uh, again, my name's Mike McNamara. You're listening to our local talk show host, uh, show McNamara on money. Obviously, it's not my real job, but I have some fun doing it on Saturday mornings. And I'm a good friend and fellow financial advisor, Mark Collier, is um, helping me out today. I uh, saved the investment world from self-destruction or something like that, right? Uh, we're on a mission, right? We're out there on a mission. Okay. Um, we want to spend, per your suggestion, a little bit more time on asset allocation. Okay. And I'm going to kick off the bad news about asset allocation. Okay. So, folks. Okay, if you've got 10 or 12 different investments in your portfolio, okay, or five or six, whatever, so different flavors. If your pie has five, six, eight, 10, 12 pieces, what you choose, okay? So I have a newsflash for you. 
some of those pieces at any given time are going to be known terrific and you wish you had all your money in them. I mean, at any given time, some of those pieces are going to be sucking wind and down and you're going to be wondering why you shouldn't be selling some of those. And then, yeah, a lot of those are going to hopefully be doing what the kind of do. Okay, so at any given time that you look at your diversified portfolio, you got some good news, bad news, and some okay news. And the only trouble is who are the good ones change and who are the bad ones change and who are, who are the medium ones change. And, and so you, you, the good news is you're always losing money someplace if you have a diversified portfolio. And, and that's good news because if all your stuff went up and all your stuff went down at the same time, you're in big trouble because the ups will be really fun and the downs will be absolutely terrifying, folks. So not a good thing. So because you have this diversified portfolio, you will be tempted to add more money to the winners after they won, and you will be tempted to sell those losers after they lost and buy some winners. And you should resist strongly <laughs> that, that temptation, because you're going to hurt yourself if you do. Okay, uh, um, let, let's spend some more time on rebalancing. You go. Okay, this is important, folks. This is like the thing that makes your portfolio work. Period. So go for it. All right. Well, I think I think the the bottom line is if you were able to sell high and buy low, and and were able to master that, you'd be. You probably wouldn't need us. You wouldn't need anybody. You'd just be, you'd just be doing so well. You'd be so unique as well. But there is a way to get close to that, and that's what allocation, asset allocation, does for you. I think we talked a little bit about this earlier, because what it does, it, it actually forces us to take money out of the pie that is growing, in some cases growing a little too fast, and put it into the pie. Let me, let me go back and use, uh, we've been talking about these red zones, these downturns, the tech bubble, 1999 and 2000. Yeah. I remember clients sitting across saying, this is when the internet was just coming yeah. out. And, and prices were stupid. And prices were through the roof. <laughs> Beyond now. stupid. Okay. And Mike and I yeah. would go to some of these meetings, we'd listen to the portfolio managers and say, well, XYZ company, it's a software company, it's an internet company. Well, how do you value this company? Yeah, they, they don't they, own it. Yeah, and they're not earning any money. They're not earning any money. <laughs> they're not earning money for five years, but they're going to make you a lot of money. My grandchildren are working there, you know. I mean, how do you value them? Well, they would say it's the number of eyes. I'd say the number of eyes? How do you measure the number of eyes? So here was one company after another making tons of money. Uh, the Patriot Stadium was named after one of these kinds. DMGI. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you couldn't lose with a company like that. Absolutely. So I actually had a client who was related to the owners and had millions of dollars invested in that one company. So what asset allocation does is we look at our stocks. We look at the stock portion of our portfolio, some of which is in these internet companies. We're making money hand over fist. The, the, the funds are going up, the stocks are going up, the clients will say, let's just get more of that. This is just great. I'm watching it go crazy. Bye, hi. We in our wisdom say, wait a minute, our stock portion of our pie here is getting so large, our bond portion is shrinking. It's time for us to rebalance. So what we do is, 
Unfortunately, we're going to have to take some money out of CMGI in your portfolio. Oh, oh put it into, a, yeah. into a corporate bond or a treasury bond. Well, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no. It's just making so much money. Well, for those of you that know what happened to that stock, that stock plummeted from, uh, I think it was $115 down to $3 a share. Within you can use week. plummet to describe that. So that was a plummet. <laughs> now, in our wisdom, we were already out of some or all of that because we rebalanced. We took the money out of the technology stocks and put it into bonds. Along came 1999, year 2000, the tech bubble Boom. burst. We weren't that smart. I mean, we tell people we were smart and we look smart. But we did what we do with asset allocation. We're taking what the market and it is works. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me uh, try an example. And I have this in a little presentation that I do with clients. It's a pie, and there are two colors, red and green. Okay, folks, this is going to be easy. It's hard to do numbers on the radio, but this is going to be easy. Okay, so imagine a pie. It's got two slices. One slice is green. It's uh, it's 60% pie. Those will be your stocks. And one slice is red, it's bonds, it's 40% of your pie. Okay, so by the way, your strategy, your asset allocation is on your 60-40. I always say the stock piece first. Okay, the stocks are 60% of your money, and the bonds are 40% of your money. Okay, so invest some money in there. And I say, hey, good luck with that. Let's, uh, let's get together next year and see how things are doing. And we're sitting in our meeting, and I'm doing my official report, and your pie is now 70-30. That, that stock piece went like a, a, a bulk. Uh, and that bond piece, either because bonds didn't do so well or because stocks just got bigger, whatever, that bond piece is 30. So wait a minute. So you own the 60-40. You bought a 60-40. But you would own a 70-30. So the quiz is, well, like, well, what do you do? Okay, and I, I give people three choices. Well, you can uh, buy more stocks because they went up. Make that 70 even more. Uh, you can do nothing. Okay. Or you can put your guy back to where it was to begin with. Okay. And get, get, get a news flash for you, folks. Uh, the answer is put the pie back to where it was. Okay, if you bought a 60-40 and you got a 70-30, it ain't what you bought. It's more risk than you agreed to to begin with. Okay, it's called putting your plan back together. It's another fancy term for rebalance, okay? So so the deal is that, so when we did that, well, wait a minute, we, we ripped out, we made that 70 back to 60. Okay, that's what you started with, folks. That's what you bought. Well, by doing that, we took some profits off the table. Okay. By the way, we did that after the fact. We didn't guess in the future about that. That's what we got. That's what the market gave us. We took those profits and we added them to the bonds and make it back to 60-40. Well, so if you put the money into the bonds, either the bonds went down and you bought them cheaper, or they didn't do much and the stocks just grew faster, but they, you're back to where you were. So when you rebalance, you're cycling with your plan, folks. You need to do that. And when you rebalance, almost all the time, you're taking some profits off some stuff that really went well. Let me see. Sell high. You need to write that down. Okay. And you're putting some money into stuff that did poorly. Buy low. 
And you do it after the fact. You're not guessing about it. You're reacting to what happened. Okay. It's a wonderful thing. That's how this game works. If you're an investor with an asset allocation, you stick with it. And when the, during the tough times, guess what? We may be trimming positions and adding to some of the stuff that shrunk in your portfolio. Oh, right. Let's see. We're supposed to have 20% U.S. stocks. Let's down to 15%. Yeah, let's go grab some money and make that back to 20 again. Oh, that's, that's not a bad thing, folks. It, this is how it works in the asset allocation game. That's what makes sense, and you need to do that. So if you do have an asset allocation, I suggest you stick with it. Yeah, and one of your previous callers, uh, Michael, who called in about his retirement plan, his IRA dropped $32,000. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, his planner, if he had one, I yep. think he said he did, was rebalanced so that part of his stock portion, which was getting larger and larger, he should have been shifting to the bonds. Yep. And that would well, have wait a minute, bonds are going to do terribly. You want to add some money to the bonds? Sometimes you have to. Maybe it's not going to do terribly. They are, they're, they're there. Who knows? And that might have helped to mitigate some of his yeah, risk. Yeah. The other way, as Mike said, is if you're withdrawing money... Either you or your advisor should, when a client calls us and says, okay, I need X amount of dollars, the first thing I look at is what is their asset allocation. That tells me if I am going to sell something, where am I going to sell it from? Well, easy I'm going to my pie. Yeah, easy, look at easy. my pie, and uh, right now we've been selling out of stocks for Anybody that's needed money yeah. over the last yeah. year or so, and it's been the right thing to do. Yeah, and I want to really be clear. We're not guessing about the future when you rebalance your portfolio, folks. You're looking backwards and taking advantage of whatever markets gave you in your portfolio, which is a wonderful thing. Folks, this is a call-in talk radio show. Uh, our telephone number is 781-837-4900. If you want to kind of chime in here, we'll be happy to chat with you. And uh, let's see. We have a caller, so let's go to Mark on Cape Cod. Good morning. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? All right, thanks. What, what town are you calling from, just out of curiosity? Hello? Yeah, I'm calling from Sandwich. All righty. How can we help you, sir? And good morning to you. Uh, good morning to you. I just tuned in, but I'm just wondering if you have any advice for me when I win you know, a billion and a half dollars uh, in the lottery. <laughs> Well, you call the, your financial advisor is the one, that, the second person you call after you do that. You first you tell your wife or family. But uh, okay, okay. So you want to ask a serious question? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm asking a serious question. Okay. Well, by the way, let me let me start off with a statement that's a fact. Okay, folks who come into large chunks of money generally blow it away in three to five years and go bankrupt. It doesn't make any difference how much. It's human behavior. Okay. Uh, Mark, why don't you take a look at that? So he's serious. Okay. You got a billion and a half dollars. Okay. Well, I, I think what you want to do, Mark, first of all, if you do win, if you're lucky enough to win, put that money in a trust. Because if your name is out there, you're going to have friends you don't even know you have. Call a lawyer who calls a lawyer to get your money so that they don't know who you are. That would be the first thing. Absolutely. They'll be coming after you. But... In all seriousness, I did have a client who won not a billion and a half, but did win a megabucks lottery. Unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they have the money. Of course, you pay taxes on it, so you're going to end up with about half of that, but still a lot of money. And what they want to do is they want to go out and buy a restaurant or a bar or something that's really kind of sexy and fancy, and I've got all this money right now. Probably the worst thing to do. Uh, my client was 
thinking in those terms. And I said, listen, if you'd like to buy a business, let's look at some businesses that have a way of surviving, you know, jewelry stores or machine shops or even a liquor store, believe it or not, one of the strongest type of businesses you can buy if you want to buy a business. And be smart with that money. Don't just, you know, do whatever you have to do. I mean, with that much money, you have, you've got a little room to maneuver. Well, yeah, but my, my comment would be that people generally don't, uh, you know, make mistakes managing money. And if you have a lot of money, you can make a really big mistake. So, you know, you, I mean, okay, other than make sure nobody knows you have the money, you know, live within your means, okay? People get in trouble in this country for not living within your means. Uh, you know, don't get crazy. Be sensible. Pay off the house. If you got kids, pay off their house. Uh, you know, take a vacation once in a while. Uh, by the way, if you end up with, a, you know, half of a, a, you know, a seven or eight hundred million, you can put it under your mattress as long as you just took a few bucks a month and make your life go. So you don't, obviously, you don't have any financial problems unless you create them, okay, by, by getting into more trouble than you can believe. Uh, you know, Mark, maybe you can poke around the internet and Google something like, uh, you know, uh, lottery winners or megabucks winners. Uh, I just saw an article a few months ago. If people go through that money, you know, just think about professional athletes and, and rock stars and how, how they go through money and become bankrupt. Uh, I've had several lottery winners in my practice. Uh, a number of them took the yearly payout, and by the time their yearly check showed up, it was all spent because they went into debt and bought stuff they couldn't have afforded to begin with. So I guess li live within your means is what I would suggest. I'm not sure if that's the answer you're looking for. Do you have some follow-up? questions to that? I, I, I think actually the key that you uh, that you just said is uh, just try to, try to remain as anonymous as possible. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, again, if your name's out there, and, and of course, we're one of uh, only, I think, three or four states that require your name to be attached if you collect. Yeah. But I believe you still can't have a trust much by you, though, even in this state. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't being facetious when I said hire a lawyer who hires a lawyer to go get your money and get squared away or put in some kind of a trust. Uh, it, it's it's awful. I mean, that little article I read, oh, it was probably a month ago, you know, half of the people said they wish they never inherited the money it wrecked their life sort of a thing. So you yeah. just, just have to yeah. be careful, you know? Hey, give I your, think so, but it's, it's a wonderful thing to think about, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it sure is. is. <laughs> Anything else while we've got you on the line? Uh, uh, that's it. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Hang in there. Thanks for the call. Okay. Uh, yep. As I tell folks, they ask, well, what, if, what happens if I win the lottery? I say, I want to be the second person you call. Okay. Okay. So I think we need a cut like that. We're going to start working on our summary here. So, folks, this is a call-in talk radio show. We're talking about uh, volatility in the markets. But what we're really talking about is uh, your behavior and your emotions uh, and what you do about all this uh, excitement and hopefully you have planned and are ready for whatever's going to happen and you understand that it's going to happen and you've got enough uh, money uh, tucked away so that you don't have to draw funds or unplanned funds from your portfolio while this happens. So, you know, the, these downturns, these bear markets, these corrections, these plunges, these, the end of the world. By the way, in our business, the world comes to an end on schedule about every four or five years. It's just been overdue for the last year. That's for sure. Okay, but, you know, all, all you can do is prepare, you know, have a reasonable mixture of stocks and bonds. Okay, and there are a few other things that you can do to kind of be ready for this. But, you know, we're really talking about 
your behavior because that's what's going to make or break your, your making money. It's not the investments. Investments are going to do what they're going to do. It's what you do about them that's going to make or break the rest of your life. Uh, we have a caller. Let's go to Eddie in Bourne. Must be a Cape Cod day today. Good morning, Eddie. How are you today? I generally, I don't always catch you, but when I do, I always hear good sense. Thank you. The only, if, I, if I might be questioning you, yep. when you're, you're rebalancing, you're forcing to sell high, and forcing to sell low, but you should remind people, it's peachy keen in a tax shelter plan where they can't get at you. But if it's in an individual account, every time you do that, you're going to be paying capital gains, which means more tax work. And, and, you're not, and you're going to lose some of your gains and some of your capital to the tax man. Uh, by the way, thank you for that caution. We probably each have a comment on that. Don't go away, okay, Mark? Your comment. Yeah, I think, Eddie, you're generally right, and that's a good point. Um, we, one of the things to, to do, though, to mitigate that is typically um, we use the term tax harvesting. Exactly. Uh, Eddie, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard you mean that. Sell, sell losses to offset the profits. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So normally in portfolios, um, well, hopefully you don't have too many of them now. But oftentimes, if you are well allocated, there there is a position that might show a loss or might be in a sector that you're looking to sell. Uh, so you so might be able to mitigate it to some extent. Mitigate yeah. the tax, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tax as well. But you're exactly right. Yeah. There are capital gains. And, um, uh, definitely is something that we didn't want to get too much into the grasp there with the, with the tax verification. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, by the way, Eddie, my comment is, and, and thank you for that. That's absolutely an issue. My comment is anybody who's got huge capital gains tax, congratulations. Okay. I had a client truly two weeks ago call me the $40,000 capital gain bill. And, and my first comment was, congratulations. Okay, uh, because when people lose sight of the fact okay, that what's left is still a whole lot of money, and that's what you get to keep. So taxes are a necessary evil in this country. They're guaranteed to happen. And, and I say we never apologize for capital gains taxes. I hope you have tons of them for the rest of your life and you complain forever. Because even if you pay the highest capital gains tax, it could be about 25% of the feds, depending on your income. Plus the Massachusetts. Yeah, plus the Massachusetts, so it's 30. So even if you paid 30%, and if it's a ton of money, you still got to keep 70, and those are your profits. And so, yeah, thank you for the caution. I'm not dismissing your comments. It's a material issue that people just kind of have to be prepared for and to Mark's commentary, you can mitigate them. Honestly, not much. If most things are moving up. You don't have a lot of room to do that. So, any other comments for us? Yeah, yeah one more. Yeah. Uh, I, I read an article a while back in the Wall Street Journal, and I've heard it brooded about. Hopefully, uh, uh, a president might be able to give instructions to the IRS to, to index capital gains for inflation so you don't pay taxes on inflation with his illusory. Amen. Wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? Amen. It certainly would. A nice public surprise for the opposition. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eddie, listen, thank you so much for the call. By the way, have you listened to the show before? I've known you for about three or four years. I don't listen all the time. It depends on what you're talking about and the circumstances, but you always have common sense, especially especially the way you do things. Hey, thank you. Hey, by the way, call any time. You're fun. It was good to talk to you, okay? Okay. All right, go to love. Bye-bye. Bye. I don't know. He hasn't called before, but great call. Huh? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. And a good point. Sometimes 
<clears throat> Sometimes the callers bring up things that we uh, that was a, that was a very yeah. good call. Yeah, and I think we, we answered. We have to teach people that they're going to have taxes and be prepared for them. And then that always a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. But, and by the way, they, they, they were like catastrophic. Catastrophic was like a forty thousand dollar surprise. Well, I pulled up the, the amount of money they made. <laughs> <laughs> and took away to 40000 and they said, thank you, and, and, and ended the phone call sort of thing. So it's just, that, that, you know, they were nice. By the way, we talked about taxes and inflation taking your money away. You don't have any choice. We're going to have both. you got to deal with them, which is why I, I think the closing point, 958, the closing point is you have to make more than taxes and inflation to either preserve or grow your wealth. And there's, history says there's only a few ways to do that, and... Uh, most of that doesn't sound like a bond, given the circumstances. How about your closing comments, my friend? Yeah, I think to summarize uh, the things that we were talking about is to be well diversified. Make <clears throat> sure you have your pockets, so to say, so you can mitigate some of those losses and uh, hire a good advisor. There you go. Okay, most folks need some help, and uh, when we're, uh, when that's just we're just stating the fact here, folks. Okay, so my comments are, hey, okay, if you are appropriately prepared... If you understand that you have a good asset allocation that's appropriate for your age and circumstances and comfort level, and if you're taking income and you've got a couple, three years' worth of bucket sitting aside there, you did what you could to get prepared, uh, and you're ready to deal with whatever happens here. Two more minutes. Okay, i got to talk a little bit more then. Okay, well, I can do that. Hang on. we got a fast clock here. I get a little confused here. So let me go to my summary comments, and I'll do this really quickly. Okay, I just did, but I'll stretch it out a little bit here next time. Okay. So, what do you do? Okay. So, by the way, have an asset allocation that's appropriate. Okay. Have a bucket if you're taking money. Okay. Have realistic expectations about things. And by the way, know the volatility of your portfolio. Okay. We, you know, our 60-40 portfolio historically has a standard deviation of like the 10 or 11. Okay. Which means that there's a 90% chance that the portfolio fluctuates plus or minus 10% on average. And then there's a 95% chance. You know, so if you know how much your asset allocation has historically bounced around, well then maybe it ain't much of a surprise the next time it bounces down the temporary coast. So, so kind of, when, when we say know your risk, know how much that portfolio is going to go up or down so you won't be surprised. I think that would be easy. Okay. Um, so have an allocation. Have realistic expectations about what you're going to earn with your money. Okay. Uh, and I guess I would, uh, you yeah, don't, know, don't read the newspaper or turn on CNN uh, unless you're really bored. And if you do watch or listen or read the financial press, well, don't let it affect your behavior in a negative way when it comes to managing money. Um, and I guess lastly, you know, you got to have some courage, some faith uh, in capitalism, and uh, some patience in your life for it. So, um, next week, financial tricks or treats. I'm getting so excited, I can't stand it. Mark, by the way, would you like to give us your number if anybody wants to call? I do, that's fair. Sure. If uh, I could be reached at 781 273 All right, one more time. It's radio. 781-273-1400. My name is Mike McNamara. This is